0: So we see in part, we do in part. God says, I want to fully come. We don't have a clear picture of who Christ is and what He did for us, and we quickly forget if we don't stay focused on who He, capital H, is in our life. Folks, when He disappears from your communication, when He disappears from your thought life, when you stop praying, when you stop communicating with your dad, you've forgotten about Christ and what He did for you. And I challenge you today, remember what Christ did for you. That very first day you said, that Jesus, men of my life, make me whole again. We believe that we're free. We celebrate our freedom.
1: Welcome to the Destined to Win Podcast with Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona, welcoming a guest speaker for this message. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation online, visit us at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's a word from our guest.
0: Praise God, wow, His unending love and His amazing grace. Thank you, worship team. I want to thank Heather for (laughs) jumping over on the keyboard. What a change around, Bill and Eula are not with us today. We just ask you to keep them lifted up in prayer, they're at home, Uh, and they're good. Pastor Tim and Jewel are still up in Idaho, as far as I know. Uh, enjoying the the river and the community. And you're probably looking at me going, who is this guy? I don't know him very much. Some of you don't see me normally. Uh, My name is Dan Hute. I'm in charge of our men's ministry here for uh, Victorious Life Christian Center. And I'm honored uh, to be asked to bring you a word this morning. And God's given us a word for this morning. I asked uh, Heather last week, I said, could you put in that song, and she didn't even know I was doing this, could you put in that song, Who Am I? And she says, yeah, I was thinking about that, that sounds great. So I, I got up and I saw the list that she printed out and that song on it shows up. And I just want to remind us, I, I wanted to sing that song because there's so many times when you see somebody new, you go, hi. My name is Dan Hute. What do you do? And we associate who we are with what we do, not who we are. You with me on that? Men are especially akin to do this because our importance for men is in our job. It's what we do. It's who we are. It's how we perform. It's how we show our worth. And I've come to the conclusion, this is how I want to start responding to some people when they say, hi, who are you? What do you do? And I want to say this to you, and this is available if anybody wants it. I want to say, I am now God's child. This is who I am. I was born of the incorruptible seed of God's word. I'm loved by Christ. I am forgiven of all my sins. I'm justified from all things, and I am the righteousness of God. I'm free from all condemnation. I can't forget the past. I am a new creature. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I could go on and on and on, but we have a confession to make about who Jesus Christ is in our life and what he means to us in our life folks what Jesus did for us is so important and how quickly we forget the day when we went up to that cross and we knelt down folks if we aren't sharing that saying Jesus my Jesus your Jesus If we're not sharing that with people we come in contact with now, heaven forbid that we get a little bit too close to them, but God says, it's about me. It's not about this virus. It's not about who you are. It's about Jesus Christ, the Lord of our lives. That's what we're about. And that's who we are about. I am called of God. I am brought near by the blood of Christ. And I am complete in Christ and I'm delivered from the power of darkness and I am an ambassador for Christ the word also says put on the armor of God and I share this with the men why does God say put on the armor of God not put on my armor because it's God's armor and when the enemy sees you walking down the street in God's armor he doesn't see you he sees God and he turns around and goes I can't deal with that dude I'm not, not gonna deal with that dude. Especially if you're coming at him with a word, the sword, the shield of faith. I haven't even gotten into what we're talking about this morning. But that's who our God is. That's who we are. And the questionnaire that was on Facebook, I think it was listed. There were some questions there, and I asked some of the questions. Yeah, what's our purpose for being here? What is really important? How do I develop a relationship with Christ? I, what we're here for is to worship and give praise to God. What we just did. God is a God of relationship. Boy, my worship team out there had a great opportunity to say amen. And they, they kind of went went with a delay there. Bill, you gotta work with them on that, okay? Gotta work with him. So God is a God of relationship and worship is a form that we can give back to God and develop relationship. In the Old Testament, he says, let my walls be called salvation and my gates be called the gates of praise. And folks, when we go in to the new city, the new thing that happens when we take Jesus Christ, we're walking through those gates of praise and we're surrounded by salvation. And we gather in the outer courts and we praise and we worship and we give thanks to God for who He is. And then we can walk down through all the different things, through the incense, through that. We walk into that place we call the Holy of Holies, which had that curtain torn apart when Jesus said it was done and the earth shook and the curtains tore and the blood of Jesus dripped over each and every one of us and said, I call you mine by my blood. And when we walk up and we get that judgment done, Jesus looks at us and he says, I see my blood on you. I see you through me. I see you covered by my grace. I see you that. Father, this is one of mine. This is one of mine. His sins, her sins, are forgiven. Wow, that's who our God is. That's what we're supposed to be talking about. That's what we're supposed to be talking about in our Zoom meetings. That's what we're supposed to be talking about as we stand six feet apart and we say, Do you know Jesus Christ? Pastor Tim and I will admit, the motorhome Pastor Tim and Jewel are in belongs to Dan and Lori Hute. And yes, it was our motorhome that broke down. And they called me up and they said, We got a problem, and I said, "No, you don't, because something's good. It's going to happen." And you know what happened? I'm not going to wait for them to come back and tell you because the guys that was helping him, Pastor preached to him, and he accepted Jesus Christ. That was worth every cent that was spent repairing the motorhome, right there, right there in the Walmart parking lot. Pastor Tim led somebody to know our Jesus. And I hope if that person is listening this morning, you are now spread out throughout the whole area, and it is known, and I'm going to ask that you confess this morning that Jesus is my Lord, and hopefully you're jumping up and down. We so again, as I said, we so quickly forget that day that we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This morning, if you had the opportunity to get online and look, the title of my message that I want to bring that the Lord shared with me is freedom reigns. And freedom, I want to talk about freedom. Freedom has been a word for the last three weeks, especially the last week and a half, that we've heard so much about. We've heard it talked about in so many ways. We've heard it talked about through protest. We've heard it talked about through rioting. We've heard it talked about through violence. We've heard it talked about with our police. We've heard it talked about through all the sources of different media. And we've heard people laying claim to who we are as Americans and what that freedom stands for, the right to free speech, the right to all of this, the right to protest, the right to... And I'm not disagreeing with any of that. Our Constitution says we as Americans have that right. But when we abuse that right is when we fall into an area of grayness and darkness. We have a right to protest. I agree with the protest. I agree something needed to be done with that. And I'm saying that from me. Something needed to be done. But when people break out and start doing things other than protesting, that's wrong. And we're going to call it what it is. That's darkness. That's sin. It's hatred. And you're burning down the people whose lives are in your own community. So we as Americans... When we started this nation, we got away from having a king. We got away from having one person that said, this is what your life's about. And we as Americans took that rulership upon ourselves. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's nobody here to correct me except the worship team. But we took that as Americans upon ourselves. We self-rule now. And that's all good and dandy, but I'm going to tell you what, the kingdom of God is not set up as a democracy. The kingdom of God is set up with the Lord, King Jesus, a ruler. And for us in America, we're going to have to figure that out because that's not how we've been raised to be. We've been raised to be individuals. We've been raised to... I don't listen to anybody but me, myself, and I. Folks, sometimes that's called sin. We call it in America a syndrome, but it's really sin. We have this syndrome. No, let's just call it what it is. It's called sin. Let's call it that. So we lost the controlling ruler, and we took that ruling on us. We made ourselves our own controller and we, by golly, rule our own life. All of us have been there. You all know what I'm talking about. All of you have made that statement at one time or another, probably. And if you haven't made that statement in word, you've made that statement in action and you've made that statement in thought. So, what does it really mean to be free? How do we know when we're free? Americans claim freedom, but yet we're bound up in so much bondage, it's unbelievable. That bondage doesn't come with the freedom that's in our constitution. That bondage comes from spiritual principalities and high places that make us think we're free. But in reality, folks, let's face reality. We're Bound up. Paul says, I don't understand why I keep doing the things I didn't want to do. And I see some of you out there going, yep, that's me. That's me. And I'm going to tell you, some of those out there on camera land, that when I said that, your mind instantly went to some of those things that you're doing in your life that you know you're not supposed to be doing. That means there's some bondage there we've got to deal with this morning. So, how do we deal with that? What did Christ die for? What did Christ die for? What did He do for us on that cross? What did that really mean? We're going to talk about that this morning. One of the great Bible scholars, you guys will all recognize him, Charles Stanley. All of you out there know who Charles Stanley is because you probably heard him on the radio at one time, says this. Freedom begins and ends at the cross of Christ. At Calvary, the penalty for our sin was dealt with once and for all. It was there that Christ was punished on our behalf, on my behalf, so that we would be free of sin's debt. Jesus paid the price but something else took place at the cross that equally affects our freedom not only was the penalty of sin dealt with that day but the power of sin as well we forget that we forget that there's power attached to sin it tries to rule and control your life he said Jesus dealt with that power that Satan had over your life Christ's death and resurrection mark the end of sin's power to control the believer. There it is, folks. Christ's death and resurrection mark the end of sin's power to control the believer. Just as sin cannot control the Son of God, so it is powerless to control those who have been placed into Christ by faith. That's a powerful word. That, that's a preaching sermon right there. But unfortunately, many who would not in agreement with the above statement are anything but free experimententially. They still are slaves to the same habits and sins that plagued them in their pre-Christian days. There's no victory over sin, there's little joy, and consequently, there's little reason to keep struggling. And so many believers, their motto becomes, well, nobody's perfect. That's not what Christ came for. Christ came for that paragraph above. But what do we do? What do we do? In the Oxford Dictionary, Freedom is listed as a noun. It's the power of the right to speak, to act, to think as one wants, without hindrances or restraint. It is also the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. Joseph was in prison, and he became the head of the prison. Go figure. Joseph was accused falsely. Joseph was given the coats of many colors while his brothers wore drabby coats. Joseph exuded Jesus Christ in his life. Joseph lived a life. And he went through hell to get where Christ had a position for him, a second-in-command. Of all of Egypt, God had a plan to have a Hebrew put in second command of the nation of Israel. So when the plagues and the famine came, the children of Israel would be saved. And we think about that, and then all of a sudden, the children of Israel in Egypt started to become slaves. They allowed themselves to be imprisoned and enslaved by the Egyptian people. And it took another baby child floating down a river, picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, and trained up as an Egyptian who was really a Hebrew, to set the people free. And Moses dealt with Pharaoh. And he said, Pharaoh, these things are going to happen, and I'm not going to go into the story we all know, the plagues and the sickness and the illness and the flies and the bugs. And finally it took the death angel to come. And he said, put the blood of a sacrifice on your doorposts. And when I see that, I'll pass by that house and allow life to live inside that house. Boy, what an Old Testament example about what Jesus did for us on the cross. So the children of Israel got some freedom, and they marched out. Paul Cole, the other day, and our strong men in tough times, uh, broadcast, said, You know, it was easier to get the children out of Egypt than it was to get Egypt out of the children. Hello? (laughs) Hello? Think about what I just said there. It was easier to get the children of God with all the plagues, all the sickness, all the things that Moses and God brought down on the Egyptians. It was easier to do that than to get Egypt out of the children. Because what happened when they got freedom? I want to go back. I like that place. At least we had food. At least we could sleep, you know, and we didn't have all of this to deal with. All they did was murmur and complain. Let's talk about those things a little bit. Because basically, they set the example for those sins in our lives that entangles us. Pastors talked recently about the things that happened with Adam and Eve. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every sin known to mankind will fall into one of those three categories. Every one of them. There were five that the children of Israel did. So let's talk about those really quick. For those of you, and for the scripture, good, you're staying there. So in Galatians 5.1, I appreciate Jared back there going, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Stand fast. What's it mean to stand fast? Be firm. Be resolute. Be positive. Know exactly what you're doing. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. I think about the armies that create a line in the front. They stand fast in that line. And when the enemy comes and tries to press in, that line Stands fast, doesn't yield to the enemy. Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Christ is saying, Guys, listen to this. I've set you free, but if you allow yourself, you're going to go back. You're going to go back. And he says, Don't. Do that. I don't know how much easier it makes it and how much plainer. Stand fast. Hold your ground. Stand firm. And I'm not only talking to the men, ladies. I'm talking to you guys too. And I'm talking to your children. Christ says, stand fast in the liberty I gave you through the power of the cross. So what are those things that entangle us? Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to read some of this. I'm going to not read all of it, but there's there's some key points here. And folks, for those of you ladies who don't believe that this is what your husbands have heard, this will be found in Maximized Manhood that Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole wrote about. But more importantly, it's found in your word. It's found in your word. I said 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13. Dr. Cole, someone who brought this up, I mean, he just kind of, he read what the scripture said and says, let's talk about this, guys. What is that? So we're going to skip down through some of this. More, Reverend Brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea, and all were baptized, into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. Talk about equality. There it is, guys. And what was the cloud? The cloud was a representation of Christ leading them. The cloud took place at the daytime. The pillar of fire took place at night. They were walking in God's presence when they exited Egypt. Kind of like Adam and Eve, walking in the Garden of Eden in God's presence, having communion, having a discussion with God one-on-one. Hey, God, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, Adam. How about you today? Oh, I don't know, man. This place is so beautiful. Thank you. Man, if we could have that kind of relationship, God doesn't, God don't talk to me anymore. Oh, are you listening? Have you stopped speaking long enough to let God speak and get His own word in? So, they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Oh, Christ is mentioned in, the Old Testament. Hmm. go figure. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So now these things became our examples. So Paul's saying, these are some examples that our moms and dads left behind for us to learn from. And he said that the, the intent that we should what? Not lust after evil things. We see that word lust and we instantly think about sex. That's Yes, I can say that. That's not what this is talking about. This particular area is talking about things that you put, that you inwardly desire more than Christ in a relationship with Him. Pastor and I always talk about our Nice pickup trucks. We talk about our ram power. Some of us talk about our guns that we have. Oh, that's great looking. Ladies, I don't know what you, you know, but decorations. I don't want to go there and be called a gender biased person. I know some ladies like some guns just as much as some guys do, you know. But we all have things that we put in our hearts. I'd really like this. I really like what Heather and Ivan have at their place more than what I've got at my place. And I want to go take it from them and bring it home to my place. I really like that that job that so-and-so has. Boy, I sure wish I could have that job. That's called lusting after evil things because you're putting them before God. And they also lusted. And then it goes on to say, do not become idolaters as some of them were. It says people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They made idols. Well, what's an idol? let's, Let's talk about what an idol is. An idol is anything that we put before God. Husbands, it might be your wife. Wife, it might be your husband. It might be your kids. It might be schooling. It might be your job. It might be whatever. Whatever it is that you put before God is an idol. It doesn't have to be a little figurine sitting up somewhere. It doesn't have to be anything like that. What's in your life that you're putting before God? It may be money. It may be vacation time. It may be whatever it is. Anything you put before God, that's idolatry, folks. And then he goes on to say, let us also not commit sexual immorality. Also called fornication. That is any sex outside of marriage. Enough said. Sexual immorality. It is a plague in America today. You don't have to go very far to see it. It happens on the computer. It happens on phones. It happens around the water cooler at work. It happens wherever Satan finds opportunity to bring that and throw that in your face. How do we fight that? It says here 23,000 people fell one day because of sexual immorality. Sometimes I just say, God, just come take care of that. And then There was a part in my life where I realized I might have been one of those that probably would have been killed. So I was like, thank God, thank you for not doing that. And here's the next one, which I thought was pretty empty, uh, interesting. It's called Tempting Christ. What does it mean to tempt Christ? Let me give you a perfect example of tempting Christ. I'm doing my federal taxes. And I fudge numbers. And we're getting ready to hit that submit button. And what do we do? Oh God, would you just bless this tax return that I cheated and lied on. Oh, we don't say that. Asking Christ to come down off the cross so he didn't have to die for us. If Satan could have won that battle with Christ, our salvation, our whole aspects of Christian is gone he tempted Christ. Christ faced temptations. He said, I'll give you all the kingdoms. I'll give you this here if only you do. And if you don't know what those you do's are, look them up. So tempting Christ. That's a sin that kept the children of Israel out of Canaan. I haven't even talked about Canaan. Canaan is the promise where God wanted to take the children the place of fulfillment the place where everything we were supposed to be achieving was able to be achieved and it kept them tempting Christ kept them out of their Canaan and the last one that he talks about is murmuring and complaining I could spend the next 3 hours complaining how easy it is for us to complain. Oh, Lord. This virus thing. Oh, God. My boss. Oh. Uh, why isn't he doing that? Why isn't she doing this? da 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 I had a glass shop in Apache Junction when I lived down there. And... The lady we leased the building from was an older, bitter woman. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about with that. Any communication I had with her, there was absolutely nothing positive in that conversation. But how do we handle this at home? Husbands, when you talk with guys you work with, do you murmur and complain about your wives? Wives, do you murmur and complain about your husbands? If only they would have taken the trash out. If only they would have washed the dishes. If only they would have... You've got to be careful what you speak because that can be perceived as murmuring and complaining. We as Christians can sometimes be the best experts in murmuring and complaining when we don't think things are going as we perceive they should be going. God said, goes back to America, America. We control our lives, but God says, "Once you came to that cross and let my blood drip on you, you don't control your life anymore. I do." And this is an ungodly thing. And if you're murmuring and complaining, you need to take that to the cross, and you need to leave it there. And you need to be the person Christ has made you, set free in that. So I just covered the last next two pages. Sorry. This may go quicker than I think, but praise God. So, those are the five sins, the five things that enslaved the children of Israel. What did the children of Israel do? The first thing they did, they got out there and they said to Moses, but we had, back in Egypt, but we had. Yeah, that's called bondage, that's called slavery, that's called you not being set free. But it was so much nicer there. Really? Really? You've got Christ's presence leading you in a cloud, you've got a pillar of fire by night, you've got miracles, the parting of the Red Sea, it was dry land, because when I crossed on dry land, yes it was dry land, it wasn't wet land. It was dry land because God made sure it was dry for them to walk through. It became wet land when the Egyptians tried to go through it. A little boggy, you know, for them. But it was dry land for us. Why? Because God says, I place your feet on solid ground. He says, I know where I'm walking you. So, Again, I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world, and I am dead to sin, and I'm alive to God. I am raised up with Christ, and I'm seated in heavenly places. By the way, if you're interested in this, we got this at another church. It's called Who Am I in Christ? Put a posting up, and I'll put it up on Facebook under the church's account. You can look this up. My suggestion would be take this, pin it on your mirror in the morning, and get up before you walk out the door and go into the world or Get on your verse Zoom meeting. Start confessing who you are in Christ. And it will change your life. Amen? All right. So let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus said that I came to set you free. I came to give you life and to give it abundantly. 1 Corinthians 13 We all know this book. It's called the Love Chapter. But there is so much in here, guys, that we miss. So I want to go to verse 8 through 13. It says, Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. What's this talking about? Well, we're doing all these things, God. We're prophesying. We're speaking in tongues. We're asking for words and knowledge to come. And God's saying here, and Paul's saying in Corinthians, this stuff's going to stop. It'll pass away. For we know in part. We are in the in part right now. You with me on that? We are in the in part. We are in the in part of the prophecies, of the tongues, of the gifts of the Spirit. That's the part we're in right now. But it says, we will prophesy in part when the completeness, Christ, comes. When Christ comes. When the trumpet sounds, when Christ comes. All those in part stop. Because we now, we don't need them. Why? Because we see the fullness of Christ. We don't have to speculate. We don't have to guess. We see the fullness of Christ when Christ comes. Oh, come quickly, Lord. Come quickly, Lord. And that which is in part disappears. And this is the part I loved. And and there's another pastor. I got Pastor Tim and Pastor Mike. Mike Tenpenny. Those are two people in my life I've called pastor. Pastor Mike taught on this next part in a little church in the middle of nowhere not too long ago. And he said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, something happened there. You with me on that? There is a part in our life where we go from childish things to manhood. You with me? Church, you with me? There's a part in your life where you go from being a child to being a God-bought, paid-for son and daughter of Jesus Christ. And there's a transition that takes place there. We start thinking like a man, we start reasoning like a man, and we become that man. I put away childhoodish things, childhood things. Well, what are those childhood things? Uh, those would be, those would be, you ready? You ready? Let me get them for you because they're listed here. Those would be the lust of the flesh, idolatry, sexual immorality, tempting Christ, murmuring and complaining. That's what we put away. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life are put away when we become a man. Man, I'm talking to you now. Because we have a problem putting away childish things. And if I can so boldly say the problem with being married women to a child and man, is you can't make love to your mother because you force her to act like your mother, taking care of a childish thing. By the way, that's a quote from Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. That's a quote from Paul Cole. That's a quote from many people. Men, when we don't put away childish things, it causes our wife to act like our mom. Because she has to deal with a child. Men, it's time to grow up. Time to take responsibility. It's time to be who God's called you to be in your home, in your workplace, and in your relationship above all else, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're not praying with your wife, God's told you to do it. If you're not speaking the word of God over your family, God has told you to do it. Then you murmur and complain that nothing's changing. Ouch. And then you lose your manhood and you become like a child again. That's not what my Jesus died for on that cross. So it goes on to say, right now we only see a reflection as in a mirror. That means if we're walking and we're talking Jesus and we're seeing Jesus, when we look at us, we see Jesus in us. But it's still dimly. It's only a reflection. It's only when Jesus Christ really comes into our life that Jesus Christ really shines. I love the sign in the men's bathroom here in the building. It tells us basically. Uh, tells us this here. Let others see Jesus in you. That's summarizing it. And all the guys are going, "Yep, yeah, I know that sign." Let others see Jesus in you. They may be the only Jesus they see. Is what you do. He goes on to say, "Then we shall see him face to face." And so now I know in part. And then I shall fully know, even as I'm fully known. I can't wait for Jesus to come and Jesus to take me up to the Father and say, Dad, this is one of your kids. This is my brother. That's my daughter. They're covered by my blood. I've washed them. They came to my cross. They came to that place, the front of the cross, that says repentance. And they passed through that cross. Reconciliation its what goes through that cross. We have repentance on the front side. We have reconciliation is what that cross brought. And we come on the outside of that cross on the other side. And it's restoration. Restoration with the family. That's what that means. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'm getting a little excited. Can you tell? Because you know what, folks? There's a lot of times we have to walk back on the other side of that cross and leave some other stuff there and walk through it and get reconciled again. You know the old story? I love the song we learned as little kids. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. How many times does that song go around the mountain? Because we keep going around the same mountain. Over and over and over. And we're not doing the march of Jericho. We're going around that same mountain of sin in our life. And we keep going, God, provide a way for me to get out of here. And he says, I have already. You just aren't stopping long enough to see the other path I have for you. you like that one you've worn out. He says, I said, I'll remove that mountain. Remember a little girl, I heard the story when we used to live in Riverside. It was part of Greg Laurie's church there in Riverside. I remember Greg Laurie was telling the story of a little girl in Corona, the city of Corona. And they moved into their house. They had a big mountain in her backyard. And she prayed and she said, God, I don't like that mountain. The next day the excavators were there tearing it down. That's how faithful our God is. And i just like, (laughs) we got mountains in our lives, folks. It's called lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's called tempting Christ, murmuring, and complaining. And you can wrap every sin that man has faced in those categories. He also said there's nothing new under the sun, right? We've all heard that. But God, you don't understand. Yes, I do. Yes, I do, because my son died for that. But God, you haven't gone through what I'm going through. Yes, I have. There is nothing new that man can do that hasn't already been done. But God, technology today is not any different than the thoughts that my children had In Egypt, hello, you have a computer in your body that's more magnificent than anything man can make. It's called your brain. And your brain will process all sorts of things, your thought life, which is why he says, take every thought captive. Why? Because if you don't, your brain will run wild with it. All right, so we see in part, we do in part. God says, I want to fully come. We don't have a clear picture of who Christ is and what he did for us, and we quickly forget if we don't stay focused on who he, capital H, is in our life. Folks, when he disappears from your communication, when he disappears from your thought life, when you stop praying, When you stop communicating with your dad, you've forgotten about Christ and what he did for you. And I challenge you today, remember what Christ did for you. That very first day you said, Jesus, come into my life. Make me whole again. We believe that we're free. We celebrate our freedom. Christ says, I come to set you free. John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That is an interesting word there. The key word on that is if. So if. We already know the rest of it is true. The part we as humans have to make a decision on is that if. Am I going to let? Am I going to choose? Am I going to allow? Am I going to surrender? Am I going to let God cover? Am I going to give Him all? That's what that if represents. So if the Son sets you free, you've got to let Him. Romans 8, 2 says, because through, oh, that means through. If you look up the word through, that means going through something. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. That means there's a couple laws here, guys. The law of the Spirit, by the way, that Spirit, you noticed, is capitalized. That means we're talking about God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The law of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit who gives life has set you free. From the law of Satan. psalms twenty one twenty nine four says, "But the Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. Uh, interesting thing and in moving. I had this really nice knife and I was opening up the washing machine box that came and God's, God talks to me a lot when I'm getting ready to do something stupid. You know you know what I mean? And guys, don't be laughing. He talks to you too. He tells you the same thing. And I'm hearing, if you don't move your hand, you're going to cut it. Just like that. That's how God and I talk. And I'm like, okay, give me a minute. <laughs> and I cut my hand. And I wanted to hear in the background, I told you so. <laughs> you know, that's just the humor part of God. But the issue is, he says this here, I will cut you free. Another one that we're going to read about down here it says sever. When you sever something, those in the medical profession, when you sever an arm or a leg off, it's gone. It's separated. It's not allowed to be reattached. Now, our medicine today sometimes will allow you to reattach it. But the idea, God says, I will sever, I will cut off, I will separate you from that junk in your life and put you in my life. If you choose to let me. And that choice has to be made daily. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Thank God I'm going to get rid of this thing. And that we shall no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died Has been set free from sin. You know, when our body dies, we don't sin no more. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about when you allow yourself to hang on that place that Jesus hung for you. God said, I will set you free. When you come to that cross and you kneel down and you look up into the face of Jesus, and I keep seeing the picture of Jesus in the movie The Passion, that's just... Guys, Jesus was not pretty hanging on that cross. And if you think he was, you need to go back and read the section before the crucifixion. That guy, our God, our Father... My brother, Jesus, was dripping blood all the way from the places where they lashed him down all the road. He left his blood on that cross. And then when they hung him up on the cross, that blood dripped on you and on me. And Jesus looked up at the Father and he said, Forgive them. They know not what they do. And then he went on to say, it is done. That is such a victorious statement. That that statement that Jesus made, it is done, was a confession right out of the mouth of Jesus, right out of the mouth of God. We think about it oftentimes as it's done. I'm over with. God, you know, it's, we're done. No. Jesus said, I have redeemed them. I have sacrificed my blood. I have let it drip on them. I have freed the world from the sin and the power of death. I have gone to hell. I have taken the keys back. That's what happened at the cross when Jesus said it is done he was making a proclamation that dad this was worth it this was worth me hanging on the cross because now now going on the other side of the cross I count it joy what was the joy for that now our relationship with Jesus Christ has been, can be, and is restored. Jesus didn't hang on that cross just for our sins. Jesus hung on the cross because He knew the joy of restoration that was coming on the other side of that cross. That's what Jesus knew. That was His hope. That was His glory. That's what he waits for with us. And he's saying, come on, guys, come on. I'm just here. Pastors reading in the book of Psalms, Green Valleys and the pastors. Man, I can't wait till that day I get to go play with Jesus. The old song in God's green, Pastures feeding by the cool. Some of you are going, what song is that? Those of you that are my age and have been in church as long as I have, you know that song I'm talking about. We sang it as little kids, and it was just a song that taught us that Jesus wants to just be in relationship with us. And he's got this cool. Not only did he go to prepare a place for us, but man, there's pastors everywhere we can go and play in. I don't know. I think I'd be looking at Jesus all the time and say, forget the grass, looking at Looking at Jesus is all I need. That's all I need. So you've been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. And it goes on to say, this is in Romans 6.18, 18, it goes on to say in Romans 20, when you were slaves to sin. So right now there's so many of us that still allow ourselves to be entangled in the yoke in which Christ has set us free. We want freedom. We want freedom, right? You hear the chant in the protest, Give us freedom. We want freedom from. You want freedom from the sin in your life. That's what you want freedom from. You want freedom from the bondage that's encasing you and keeping you spiritually down. This is not a physical war that we're fighting, folks. The word says... We war not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities and powers. This is not a physical fight we're fighting in America. This is spiritual warfare, folks. And if you don't think it is, you better get into the Word and read it some more, because that's what this is. It's God's kingdom against Satan's kingdom. It's been that way ever since the beginning of time. When Adam and Eve fell. This war is nothing new to mankind. It's been happening since they fell. Romans 6.20 says, you were slaves to sin. So when we walk in sin, Paul's saying we're slaves to it. And the interesting comment that goes afterwards, it says you were free from the control of Righteousness. In other words, you didn't have to be righteous. Righteous had no control over you. You didn't have to desire to be righteous. You didn't have to do any of that. Righteousness had no control. Why? Because sin was in control. Righteousness meant nothing to you. But above it, Paul qualifies, it says, but you have been set free From that lack of righteousness. You with me on that? You've been set free from sin. Well, sin is a lack of control of righteousness. So you've been set free from that lack of righteousness. And God has made you righteous. And he goes on to say you are now slaves of righteousness. The book of Psalms, it talks about the righteous shall be like the palm trees. That's weird. So he equates righteousness with a palm tree? Why do you do that? Because a palm tree, when winds come against it, what's it do? It Allows the breezes to blow it over. It'll bend. And it goes through all the storms of life, never once leaving the ground that it's secured in. You with me? And it'll allow the storms of life to blow against it. When those storms of life recede, what happens to that palm tree? It stands upright again. Folks... God said you're going to have trials, tribulation in your life. You're going to have to bend sometimes like those palm trees bend. But if you stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has set you free, when that storm is done, what happens? We stand up straight. Stand fast. That's what it means. So we talked a little bit about this already uh, Dr. Cole in our book talks about the patterns of the prodigal son. They were as follows, for those of you who want to keep track of this, rebellion, the son rebelled. He said, give me, give me his lust. He took his lustful give me thoughts and he went out into the community and he came to ruin. He partied and he did everything else and he ended up in ruin. And then he came to a, this thought came to him. You with me? This thought came to him and he said, the slaves in my dad's house are eating better than I am. How about if I go back and ask my dad, can I be one of your slaves? And he came to his dad and his dad saw him walking down the road. And he went out to meet his son. I love that song, The Day God Ran, because I've seen God run to me more than once. And I just watch him run and say, God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you're there, that you wait with great expectations for your loss to come home. And he says to his dad, forgive me. Allow me to be one of your servants. He repented. He repented. And instead of the dad saying, fine, you did this to thee. See, the key word is this here. The son, when he left, said, give me. When he came back, the son said, make me one of yours. Key words were, make me. Jesus said, if you allow me to set you free. You will be free indeed. The son said, Make me one of yours. Allow me to become again one of yours. The father went right to reconciliation. He said, Son, you are my son. Here's my coat. Here's the ring. Let me now restore you to your place. So we went through rebellion, ruin, repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. Those last three, folks, are the place of the cross. Repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. Repentance is on the side we have to come to. Restoration's on the other side, which means reconciliation takes place as we allow ourselves to be put on that cross, as it talks about. And let Jesus' blood, again, I'm sorry I can't get away from this, but let the blood of Jesus drip on you. I find it very interesting that we did communion today. And maybe it's because of what I was talking about today that brought that, but we so many times just take for granted communion and what it means. But it means taking in the Word of God daily, 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 daily. Taking in that Word, letting Christ's body change ours through His Word. And then it also means we go to Him and we say, Dad, today, allow your blood to cleanse me of any." thing in my life that doesn't honor you whether it's lusting after things of the flesh whether it's idolatry whether it's sexual immorality whether it's tempting Christ whether it's murmuring and complaining and guys if you don't think it's happening in Christ's body it is It is. Daily, every one of us struggle with one of those areas in our life. God says today, today, right now, this very moment, I want to set you free of that junk. If you say the words, make me like you. What happens at the cross? I'm going to ask you, those of you that are Christians, to think back to that day. The first time Christ's blood dripped on you. The first time you looked up at Jesus and his blood dripped on your face. It's by the blood of Christ by his blood we are cleansed In Hebrews chapter 9:14 goes on to say how much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself Unblemished to God. A complete, holy sacrifice. Cleanses our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we will serve a living God. Folks, it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from acts that lead us to death when you get tempted father you bled over this already you cleanse this out of my life already you said it is done that I now Because of your blood, I'm able to have relationship with you. Not only a serious relationship, but a joyful relationship. Because that's what Jesus said. I count it all joy that I did this. So we think about, I love how the Living Bible says this. Think how much more the blood of Christ cleanses up our whole lives Inside and out. The outside's so easy to cleanse, you know? How you doing today, Dan? Oh, I'm doing really good today. I'm doing really good today. And the inside, I'm just dying. You guys know what I'm talking about? We meet our Christian brothers and sisters in the walk, and we go, how you doing today? And they just smile at us, and they create such a falsehood, and they say, oh, I'm doing really good, and they're Dying inside. And so are we. Because we got stuff in our own lives. Instead of going up and saying, today, this is who I am in Christ. I have been set free. I'm liberated. I am a child of God. I am a son or a daughter. So, his unblemished sacrifice. Christ offered Himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts, making ourselves respectable. <laughs> making ourselves respectable. The blood of Jesus makes us respectable. How's that sound? Have you ever heard that? The blood of Jesus makes us respectable. <sighs> so that we can live all out for God. In other words, I can be a respectable fanatic for Jesus Christ. How's that sound? All out for God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I've got more here, but, you know, I think we've said enough. I think everybody gets where I'm coming from. A statement I made earlier, when Christ forgives us of our sins, they are severed from us, never to be remembered against us again. God can do that. He also states that when we don't, guys, listen to this. If there's any one thing I want you to leave here, is this here. He also states that when we don't forgive ourselves of our sin, we make ourselves greater than God. God says, I can do this. And we tell God, no, you can't. We have made ourselves greater than God. Heaven forbid that we make ourselves greater than God. So releasing our guilt produces freedom. Sin produces three things. It produces guilt, fear, fear and hiding men if you are in our men's group that's what our lesson is this week it talks about sin produces guilt fear and hiding when we sin we instantly feel guilty when we feel guilty we move into fear oh God I blew it again. and Instead of stopping at that moment and going, God, forgive me. I sinned against you. Cleanse me. Then we try to hide it. We see that oftentimes at home. and I'll just call it what it is. Guys, if you're on the computer and you're in a place you're not supposed to be and your wife walks out or somebody walks out, push that button and you hide it. Feel guilty about it and you move into fear. Did they see anything? Did they see anything? And then you hide it. See, I know what I'm talking about there, guys. I've lived that life, I've been there, I've walked that road, I've shared this with the men before. That happens with anything, any sin in our life. This morning, Jesus says to us most assuredly I say to you whoever commits sin is a slave to that sin the slave does not abide forever therefore if the son makes you free you will be free indeed and he also goes on to stay stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made you free And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. How do we do this? James 4, 7 says, Therefore, submit yourselves to God. Therefore, submit yourselves to God. Yourselves is every bit of you. Thought life, your body, everything within you submitted to our Lord Jesus Christ. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Stand fast. Don't lie down. Don't let the enemy get you on your back. talks about the armor of God. And it says, stand. The reason he's got that word stand is because if you're lying down, all the enemy has to do is put an arm on your chest and you stay down. He says, stand fast. This morning, if anything in your life has come up that you need to deal with, I'm going to ask right now that you get down on your knees. You see the cross of Christ before your eyes. You see the blood running down the cross. I want to see you reach out, touch that blood. The woman just reached over and touched the hem of his garment and was healed how much more potent the blood of Jesus is. If you want to be cleansed from those things in your life this morning, seek righteousness. Become a slave to what the Spirit of God is telling you to do. Not a slave to sin. This morning, I want you to say, Jesus I give this to you. Every area in my life, Father, that is not honoring you, I give to you right now, Jesus. Lord, I open the door. You've been out there knocking. And it's the Christian's house that you're knocking on. And you're saying, if only you'll let me in. This morning, Father, I pray that we would open up the door. Come in, Father. Walk through, Lord Jesus, every area in our house. Open up those doors, those hidden closets, those hidden secrets that we have. Bring them into your light, Father. Lord, this morning it's not about us. It's about you. It's about relationship with you. It's about what you did on the cross. It's about the joy of relationship that you're expecting afterwards. Oh, Father, how as new Christians we just get so excited about Jesus. Everybody we see we talk to about what I found. Then we let sin back in. And we forget that joy. Father, this morning renew that joy of our salvation, as your word says. Renew it, Lord. Let us stand fast this morning in the liberty by which you have made us free. Lord, I repent right now if there's any sin in my life that's brought division in my marriage. I repent this morning of anything in my life that doesn't honor my family as your word says to do i repent of anything in my life that doesn't place you first and foremost lord if there's sexual immorality in my life a thing we call pornography in my life right now in jesus name i call it down And ladies and gentlemen, and I say ladies too because you guys struggle with it too. Let's be honest. If that's something in your life, you need to sit down and have a conversation with your family, with your spouse. You need to say, I need some help with this. Because I love you above that. there's things in your life that you know you've done right now that you haven't asked God to forgive right now, do that. Yes, hallelujah. book of John talks about the freedom of forgiveness, releasing and retaining. And Lord, we release all of our unforgiveness towards yes. our brothers and our sisters yes. to you right now, Father. Thank you. Lord. But Lord, you don't understand. they have hurt me. Lord, you died on the cross because we hurt You. You bled for us. Yes. For all the hurt. You took our hurt upon Your body. I found that drop that had my name on it. And You said, I've let it go, my son. This morning, pray that you would just be renewed and refreshed. I'm going to ask something very different this morning. Our church has a number. I didn't ask the guys to do this, but you can get online and you can look it up. We have a church office number. And I just want to ask you this. If God's done something in your life this week, If you're a new Christian, I want you to call and leave a message on that phone. They're not manned right now, but we listen to them. And I'm going to ask that you call that number and leave a message. Share with us what Christ has done in your life today. Yes. Confess maybe what Christ has done in your life today. God is a God of relationships, church. He created us in His image. He created us to be with Him. He created us that we can sing and talk and share in His glory. In
1: From the guest of Pastor Tim Masters and Victorious Life Christian Center with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 630. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding from Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Live Christian Center. You're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.